When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Welcome to the Tackle Obesity Podcast. My name is Richard Walker with the NFL Alumni Association. We are so grateful to have all of you join us today. If you're tuning in on the amazing KCAA 102.5, 1050 AM, Riverside, California, we're so thankful for you to join us on this Saturday morning. Uh, we're just coming off the heels of Memorial Day, uh, which is a day of reflection upon all the sacrifice and service from all the wonderful men and women in the in uniform who do so many things, who have sacrificed so much for us in order for us to enjoy the freedoms that we all do every day. Uh, today, we are going to tackle the topic of obesity among veterans. Uh, we're going to explore this issue and why it occurs and what strategies that the veterans can employ in order to battle this obesity and its comorbidities. The veterans are a part of this battle too. And for all of us, Indirectly, obesity is a national security threat. And uh, we're going to have General Mark Hurtling, uh, who uh, now works for the University of Indiana. Uh, He's he's an instructor with the uh, public health department there. Uh, He's going to talk about uh, the obesity pandemic as it pertains to the military perspective. On the front end, uh, the challenges of recruiting soldiers to the military because of the challenges with youth obesity and not being able to find a, a suitable uh, pool of candidates to uh, fill those roles, those vital roles that are, are needed uh, in order to successfully staff uh, for the uh, U- U.S. Army. So he's going to talk about that. Uh, this is a very complex issue uh, amongst the veteran population. So we're going to look at this from a couple of perspectives. Of course, we're looking at it, as I mentioned, on the front end, we're recruiting. Uh, but what, what about the men and women that are already in the military? Uh, we're going to talk about the actual veterans, the, the members that are in um, the, the military or uh, have since left the uh, active service and how uh, obesity impacts them. So we're going to start with uh, the conversation, as I mentioned, for General Hurtling. Uh, he's going to talk in, in great detail about uh, the obesity pandemic as it pertains to uh, how it impacts, uh, you know, recruiting for for the U.S. military, the U.S. Army specifically. Uh, so he's going to talk about his challenges there. And uh, when we come back, we're going to dig into this a little bit more 
uh, and talk about the issues of uh, veteran obesity. Uh, so you are tuning into the uh, Tackle Obesity podcast. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Uh, visit us at tackleobesity.com and uh, download us on your favorite podcast platforms uh, Apple, iHeart, Spotify, uh, you name it. We're, we're on everywhere, Pandora. Pandora. So please uh, check us out on uh, all your favorite podcast platforms. You're tuning in to Tackle Obesity. We're now going to turn over to uh, General Mark Hurdling. Uh, he's going to talk about the uh, obesity pandemic. Well, hello. My name is Hurtling, and I'm a soldier. And you probably could tell that. Uh, I have been in the military for 38 years. I'm thinking of making it a career. I have seen, I have seen uh, and studied and analyzed uh, all types of security threats. I fought in several wars. Uh, but there's an emerging threat that we're seeing, and I'd like to talk a little bit about today, um, that I think will have an effect on our future our economy, our youth, and our economic system. And it is an emerging threat that concerns me significantly. And it's represented in this picture. Now you might think, why is a soldier talking about uh, a young man who is obviously inactive and perhaps is a little bit overweight? And it's because of some things I've seen in the last several years, uh, and I'd like to talk a little bit about those today and relate it to how I believe it could be a national security threat within the next 20 to 30 years. Uh, first of all, uh, in 1983, the Army sent me on something called a broadening experience. Uh, I was asked to go to graduate school at Indiana University. I had studied as an undergraduate international relations, but they said, hey, we want you to go and take, uh, get a master's degree in exercise physiology and then teach PE at West Point. So I said, okay, it sounds like a great idea. It's, it's, it's broadening to be sure. And I went out there, I, I went to Indiana University and, and uh, my first class was an anatomy class and I had an anatomy lab. I walked into the classroom and they told me, they issued me a cadaver as they did everyone else in the class. And the cadaver I had uh, came with a medical history. The, the professor told us, hey, in order to respect the people who have given their bodies to science, we'd ask you to respect them too, and you perhaps want to name them to remind yourself that they were once a person, although we don't want to give you their real name. So I named mine Charlie. Charlie had a medical history. Uh, he had been a two-pack-a-day smoker. Charlie had not exercised uh, in the last 20 years. Charlie was extremely overweight, and Charlie had died of a cardiovascular disease, and he was 46 years old. When we pulled them up and we began, uh, the various students in the room began our dissection of these bodies, uh, I had a lot tougher time than some of the other students because I had to cut through several layers of adipose. When I got to the internal body cavities, it was amazing to me comparing Charlie's organs to some of the organs of the other students in the class. The heart was surrounded by fat, several inches. Uh, one of the, the tricks our instructors taught us was if, you know, we had to go through these labs where you had to name what vein was which and what uh, artery was which. And the professor said, hey, if you, if you pull on an artery, it's like a rubber band. If you pull on a vein, it's like a guitar string and it'll twang. Well, when I pulled on Charlie's arteries and veins, they broke off into my hands. So I finished grad school, went to teach at West Point for three years from 83 to 86. And then after that assignment, I went back to the operational army and, do things, and did things that all soldiers do. Commanded organizations, uh, trained, went to combat several times. 
And then uh, coming out of combat as a division commander in 2009, the Army uh, decided they wanted to promote me to three-star general, I think because they wanted to prove that they have a sense of humor. And then they sent me, they then sent me to be the commander of initial military training. My job was to train the 160,000 or so soldiers, or correction, civilians that would come into the Army every year and turn them into soldiers. What I found when I reported to that assignment disturbed me. Several facts came to my attention. First of all, 75% or more, a little bit more actually, of the, soldier, of the civilians who wanted to join the Army were not qualified to do, to, do so. 75% of the 17 to 24 year olds that wanted to join the army were not qualified and the number one reason was because they were obese. Of the 25% that could join the army, what we found on the first day of basic training was that about 60% of them could not pass the PT test that we gave on the first day. And that was one minute of push-ups, one minute of sit-ups and a one mile run. Now that's not a difficult test but we were finding the great majority of our new soldiers coming off the civilian environment could not pass that test. I couldn't understand what had happened. This was not what I had left studying physical education in 1986. As we did some analysis, I, I, I realized that a couple things had changed. First of all, uh, number one, and the primary reason, was starting in the late 90s, the majority of our elementary and high schools stop teaching PE. And in fact, only five states of the 50 in our country right now have mandatory requirements for physical education between K and 12th grade today. Five out of 50. Now, you say, okay, well, that's interesting, but what does the Army care about that? Well, we were getting the product of that, but in addition, the second and third order effects were young people that were joining our service could not run, dodge, jump, tumble, roll, the kinds of things you expect soldiers to do if they're in combat. The second thing we found, or that I found or realized, was that our diet had changed radically in the last 15 years. We were supersizing everything. Uh, having been stationed overseas in Germany, that's not the case there, but they were supersized. If you wanted large fries, you could get extra large and extra, extra large. You couldn't just get a 16 ounce drink, you could get a 24, 42, 64 ounce soda. And that was having a deleterious effect. Uh, it was fascinating to me that we were also seeing, uh, a scientist told me, that in the last 15 years from the time I left West Point until today, Americans eat about 30% more calories a day than they had in 1983 and about 15 pounds more of sugar a year. Phenomenal statistics. But the combination of a lack of physical education an increase uh, of, of poor nutrition was causing secondary effects. Uh, this is the O food group, by the way. Okay, and, and I, I called it, started calling it the O food group because anything that ends in O is probably not good for you. Um, so we had, I, I haven't found anything that ended in O yet that was actually very nutritious in nature. Um, but what we started to do was we saw some second and third order effects, and this is one of them. This is at one of our training bases, and we have five in the United States Army. We were seeing a, a, a malady called femoral neck stress injuries. And what that means is the, the, the tip of the pelvis would crack, and, and it wouldn't be a clean break, but it would be a stress fracture 
that would cause significant problems. And you can see starting in 2000 uh, that we were beginning to see this. And this is because the people we were recruiting were just coming of age uh, and, had, and many of them had not had the PE and they had started to have the bad nutrition. But by 2009, when our new recruits were 18 or 19 years old, they had gone through their entire life without having a PE class and dependent on bad nutrition. Those 135 that we had at one training base are significant injuries because in order to fix it, it cost anywhere between $100,000 to $300,000. So this is an economic issue. This isn't just a soldier health issue. For me, this was an economic issue. The, the third reason, and I'll, I'll say this and then move quickly on, the third reason we saw was an increase in technology. Now, I'm a big fan of technology, but the researchers have told me that we now watch as a nation about 150 hours of television a month. That's five hours a day. In 2009, when we started this study, we were seeing uh, anywhere from 30 to 40 on average hours of internet searches by adult male Americans or adult male Americans uh, uh, per month. That's between one and two hours a day. Gaming was off the charts. In 2009, and it's increased since then, the average teenager was playing 13 hours of video game per week. Now, all those hours in front of a tube were replacing the playtime, and that's significant. In addition to that, the final one, number four, is we're terrible examples to our children. We are in too much of a rush. We are eating poorly, we're eating fast foods, uh, we're relaxing in front of the television at the end of the day. We also are relying on technology instead of play and we're not balancing our lives. My wife has a stitchery in our house uh, as we, we've raised two children and now a couple of grandchildren that says, your children are watching you. What you do speaks louder than anything you can say. We were not doing the right things for our children. so. In typical Army fashion, I said, we've got to address these issues with our new recruits. And we changed several things. We, we began something we called the Soldier Athlete Initiative. Because you can't just say to a bunch of 18-year-olds, hey, we're going to get you all in shape and stop feeding you cheeseburgers. You have to give kind of a sexy title to it. So we called it, we, we called it the Soldier Athlete Initiative. If you're going to perform on the battlefield, you've got to train like a champion. And what we did was we completely changed. It's a three-legged stool. We completely changed the way we were training to compensate for things that were not going on in grade school and high school. We assigned physical therapists and athletic trainers to every organization because we wanted to prevent the injuries and treat them before they turned into those $100,000 uh, bone uh, stress fractures. We wanted to fix them as, as they became uh, visible. And then the third thing and probably the most important was we changed the way we food, feed food in the mess halls the dining facilities. We called it fueling the soldier. You can't, you can't just say, hey, have a salad. We instead say, you gotta advertise with soldiers. So we said, hey, we're gonna fuel you for maximum performance. This is what sport team, this is, this is what sports teams are doing. This is what NFL, Major League Baseball, they know they've gotta eat right in order to perform at their maximum. Okay, I'm not gonna dwell, we, we saw some, within the first year we saw some unbelievably strong statistics that shows this was working. Reduction in injuries, we saved about $30 million the first year just in treatment of injuries. 30 million in the Army, okay, just on injury prevention. And we began to see weight loss and improved 
uh, we reduced the number of overweight soldiers we had in our army. We still have a way to go. We've advanced this fueling the soldier to fueling the teams. And With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In fact, we've redirected to the Department of Defense schools for our young people, and we're calling it Fueling the Future. What's interesting, so we fixed it, or we're on the way to fix it. But what's interesting about this is uh, your Army combined with your Navy, your Marine Corps, your Air Force, and your Coast Guard makes up less than 1% of the American population. So my concern is what's going on with the other 99%? And this gets me back to my issue of this being a national security concern. What I'll suggest to you, I'm gonna show you one area and that's just levels of obesity. Uh, this was a chart that represents the number of states in the union uh, that were below 20% uh, obesity rates on average from a child of 14 to 19 years old. This was in 1985. Watch what happens. As you can see, in 2009, it's significantly worse. The predictions for 2030 are these. You can see the number of states that have greater than 65% children obese. This is not overweight, this is obese. Now the related issues, as I told you, the issue with our injury rates and how much we were paying to fix people is significant. We spend estimated, the Department of Health and, and, and Education both uh, determined that we spend on average today between 150 to 200 billion dollars per year treating the results of childhood obesity. We're seeing an increase in diabetes. We estimate that we'll have a 40% cardiovascular disease rate by the year 2030. This is significant. This is a, this is a health cost, a health care issue, an economic issue a readiness issue for me because I'm seeing my pool of recruits deplete based on this. I can't pull them in in order to fix them. And it's just a, com a competition issue. There's other studies that show what obesity and lack of activity do to young people. So I believe this is certainly a national security concern. There are several organizations who are attempting to approach this. You know, you, you, you may have heard of Mayor Bloomberg, Bloomberg in New York who has banned all uh, sugary drinks above the uh, 16 ounces in schools and public restaurants in New York City, and he took a lot of heat for that. Uh, Nike, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Subway are all using overweight actors in their ad to, to, to pattern behavior and perhaps to turn this thing around. Nickelodeon, in last year's Worldwide Day of Play, decided to put their screens black as opposed to showing programming in order to get children outside to play. And of course, our first lady uh, over the last several years has been attempting to do let's move and the counter obesity measures. This concerns me. This concerns me greatly. Uh, 
again, as I said, my name is Hurtling. I am a soldier. I've been a soldier for 38 years. This is not something the army can fix. This is not something you could put a yellow ribbon on and say, let somebody else take care of it. This is not something that we can rely on governments or organizations to do. Be fearless in terms of writing your schools. Be fearless in trying to get nutrition back in restaurants. Be fearless in balancing your lives and getting out to exercise. Be fearless in modeling your behavior for young people. That will prevent a whole lot of Charlies in the future. Thank you very much. We are back on the Tackle Obesity podcast. Uh, that is a very, very moving piece uh, by Gerald Hurley. Uh, for him to have uh, the words, I'm concerned. And this is a, a military leader who's, who's fought through wars. Uh, he's led uh, thousands of men and women in combat. Uh, you can hear the, the, the sincerity of his, the concern in his voice for this issue that impacts all of us because we truly are in the midst of a national security issue. And uh, it's a silent one. It's, this is not a direct military threat. This is not an invasion, uh, so to speak, in a physical sense where there's uh, um, soldiers of, of an, an opposition on our, on our turf or, you know, things that we can see our radar. This is uh, obesity is a very silent war. And that's the scary part. Um, we go about our everyday lives thinking that everything's just fine, but we don't realize that we're under attack. And uh, I think want to thank the general for for you know the way he articulated you know his points. I think were very very moving. Um, this is something that impacts all of us. So um, we we have to be brave uh, and and fight this obesity war. And we're so grateful that uh, that he's you know taking this by the horns and. Uh, I encourage anyone who is a veteran, um, and we will have some resources um, later in the show where if you are a veteran, there are programs that will help um, veterans that um, want to get assistance with um, battling against uh, obesity. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, but we are going to go to a very quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about this obesity issue as it pertains to uh, military veterans. You're tuned in to the Tackle Obesity Show. Uh, my name is Richard Walker, your host, and uh, we'll be back This is your chance to lose the weight you want, enhance your wellness, and be part of a team coached by an NFL alumni. During the NFL Alumni Wellness Challenge, you will learn how to tackle your excess weight and be coached by a professional athlete who did it himself. Think about it. Every great athlete had a coach behind their success that kept them on track to their greatness. Studies show that having a coach is the single most powerful addition to propel successful weight loss. Your success will be a huge step towards preventing many diseases, including cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. So remember, obesity is a medical condition, not a character flaw. What are you waiting for? Join the Tackle Obesity team now. And we are back on the Tackle Obesity podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you to all of my fellow my fellow uh, NFL alumni for their uh, important message. 
Um, but more specifically, we want to spend time focusing on our proud men, women, and service, our veterans. Um, we thank you for all that you've done and that you continue to do and the sacrifices that you make. Uh, we're coming on off of the heels of Memorial Day, which is a day of reflection. Uh, but as we think about this ob obesity challenge, this obesity, this tackle obesity movement, I think moving forward, we should use Memorial Day and Veterans Day as days of action, as days of wrapping our arms around our veterans and saying, hey, you know, we love you. We appreciate all that you do. And let's do something for you. So I encourage all of you, uh, if you know a veteran or if you don't know a veteran, uh, there are ways for you to volunteer with the Veterans Administration. Uh, we need the support for our, our men and women in service. Uh, and especially as it pertains to this obesity pandemic. Now, you heard uh, General Hurtling talk about the recruiting aspects, all the, the challenges of finding qualified men and women who can enlist into service uh, on the front end of the military spectrum. So recruiting challenge, he, he was very, very uh, detailed about the challenges there. Uh, we want to kind of shift the focus a bit to the men and women that are already enlisted into the, the service. Um, what challenges they have as it pertains to obesity. So I have a clip here from the uh, Physicians Committee where there are, there's a, a dialogue where they're talking about the challenges that our veterans are facing as it pertains to obesity and its comorbidities. So we're going to go to that clip right now. And uh, we want to encourage the dialogue about men and women in service and how obesity is impacting them, what we can do to turn this trend around. So we're going to go to that clip right now, and we'll be right back here on the Tackle Obesity Podcast. We have known for generations that being overweight is a threat to our health. But could the standard American diet and the exploding rates of obesity also pose another type of threat, one that jeopardizes national security? A growing number of top military leaders say yes, and a new white paper published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition this week echoes those same concerns, citing the overwhelming number of adults under the age of 24 who cannot qualify for military service due to medical reasons, with obesity being chief among them. Here now with more is Dr. Jim Loomis. He is the medical director of the Barnard Medical Center. Dr. Loomis, appreciate you taking the time to join us this Friday. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. It, it is a pleasure. And this is a really interesting topic, certainly one that we have not yet discussed on the show. And let's just start right here, because when you think of national security, you think about hackers, you think about invasions, you think about those types of things, but you really don't think about your local drive through also posing a risk to national security. What's the connection here? Well, so as you said just a minute ago in the lead-in, um, recent studies suggested that about 70 percent of males of um, um, of kind of recruitment age uh, for the for the armed services are ineligible because of uh, medical reasons, and the the primary driver is obesity. About thirty percent uh, can't meet the weight standards to join the military. In fact, in uh, two years ago, in two thousand eighteen, the Army for the first time in decades uh, failed to meet their recruiting uh, uh, quotas. Um, the and and what's interesting is. You know, most people don't realize the Department of Defense is the largest employer in the United States. Uh, if you look at active duty, civilian employees, et cetera. And the DOD 
is also has the largest single healthcare expenditure in, in the country. If you, if there, there's over 9 million people eligible for, for healthcare um, um, under the DOD. And that includes both active duty civilians and then retirees. Um, healthcare costs have skyrocketed in the DOD, um, now taking up over 10% of the budget, you know, 50, 60 billion dollars a year that DOD spends on healthcare. As we already know, um, not only is 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 the inability to recruit individuals to join the, the military, um, when we're when the military is spending that much money on healthcare, um, much of which, by the way, is spent on preventable diseases, that takes away funding for military readiness. Um, very interesting. Um, a few years ago. Um, um, I was contacted by a now colonel in the Special Ops Command at Fort Bragg who had actually written a, a, a thesis paper, a master's thesis, on this very issue, uh, uh, Standard American Diet is a Threat to National Security. And not only is it a, a threat to national security because of the reasons we just talked about that, you know, we can't recruit people into the military, but also once people join the military, men and women join the military, oftentimes their health deteriorates they gain weight, they become less healthy because of the food they're fed on base and, and when they're deployed. Um, furthermore, even the, the war fighters who are, who are ready, who, who, who have, uh, um, are mission ready, um, they maintain adequate diet, they may, they're physically active. Oftentimes they can't be mission focused because they're worried about their loved ones, friends and family back home who have these same kind of chronic degenerative diseases like heart disease and diabetes and cancer, all of which are driven by um, the standard American diet. So uh, that sounds like the problem that is is multifaceted from obviously the health perspective, but then you're saying, well, if the friends, family, loved ones back home are also uh, facing health challenges, the mind just isn't where it needs to be in terms of being ready for action. Uh, so this is this is a real big kind of a problem. And I know the paper that you shared with me, the one that you're talking about, also looks specifically at the effect that a plant-based diet, wide adoption of plant-based diets, could have in rectifying these issues. What was the conclusion there? So, um, you know, according to the calculations by the officer who wrote the paper, um, he feels like that that the military could save between ten and twenty billion dollars a year in cost savings just by moving toward plant-based diet. Um, what, what's interesting is, so I, I'm actually on the faculty at the Uniform uh, Services University for Health Sciences here in Bethesda, which is the military medical school. And um, I lecture there to both students and, and medical residents. These are military doctors who are going out to take care uh, of, of uh, the war fighters uh, deployed around the world. And um, it's interesting that when we have tried to have discussions around healthcare cost savings with, uh, uh, with members of the faculty at USIS and, and higher ups in the DOD, uh, it really hasn't gotten a lot of traction. What's very interesting, though, is, is since Game Changers has come out and, and we've kind of refocused the lens uh, from healthcare costs to performance uh, and, and readiness, um, there's a much bigger audience. People are really starting to listen. And we've actually done um, a Game Changers screening at USIS, at the, at the medical school, at the Defense Health Agency, out, which is here in, locally in Virginia, which is, is the centralized command for all things health within the hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. DOD. Um, and also many. Um, uh, military bases, the Air Force Academy, um, um, the Air Force Base in um, in, in Missouri, Whitman, uh, Whiteman Air Force Base. So there's been a very interesting um, um, resurgence in interest, but it's not around healthcare costs. It's around performance. The beautiful thing about a plant-based diet, though, is is that it doesn't matter if you're coming at it from a cost-saving standpoint or a readiness performance standpoint. The outcomes are still positive either way, any way you look at it. How feasible is it to think that you could have this wide adoption of it in the military? I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but is it, you know, we hear a lot about those of us who aren't in the military, things like MREs, you know, meals ready to eat for, for our soldiers who are overseas. Is it feasible to think that there could be plant-based options for those? Oh, sure. Of course there is. And, and uh, you know, I think that just like when you look at U.S. dietary guidelines, which help drive some of the, mil- in fact, U.S. dietary guidelines help drive some of the um, thinking around around nutrition in the military. Um, there's a lot of economic inertia to overcome. I'll just put it that way. Uh, the contracts with these big food purveyors like, like you know, Cisco or whatever that, that provide or Aramac, Merrimack who provides uh, the food on base and, and you know, out when, when uh, uh, soldiers are deployed. Um, that's a multi-billion dollar business. And um, I, I, there's a lot of kind of economic inertia that needs to be overcome um, to really and truly implement this on a, on a wide scale. And you said that a lot of the decisions for military nutrition are driven by the dietary guidelines, which right now are under review. From what we've seen, uh, the recommendation appears to be pointing away from red meat, away from processed meat, and certainly more toward a plant-based diet. Do you think that just because if things go as expected, that the dietary guidelines that will be released in early January, we can see some steps in this direction for the military over the next five, 10 years. I, I hope so. And and the other reason I'm hopeful is is uh, through my work at USIS, um, there's an increasing interest at, at the command level on uh, and, and, and teaching, you know, just, you know, another part of the problem is, it's just like I didn't learn anything about nutrition when I went to medical school, neither are these military guys. Um, you know, there is a small component of, of nutrition education in the, in the med school curriculum, but it's not enough. And it's it's really not about food. It's really glorified biochemistry. You know, this is a protein. This is a vitamin. This is what happens. You don't get enough. It's really it's really focused on the disease states that occur from deficiencies in these very in the various components of mac- micronutrients and macronutrients uh, that our foods made out of. Um, but but there's a growing interest in not only um, the um, 
plant-based diet and nutrition in general, but things like culinary medicine, on and on. So I'm very hopeful that 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 you know change change driven from the bottom by the doctors who are being trained by the military medical school and coming into the military to take care of people, and from command down. That hope I'm hopeful that that we'll start to see changes uh, soon. And if those changes are implemented among active military members over time, then I would expect that the uh, positive effect would then translate to veterans. We've heard stories uh, from the VA of just enormously long lines for people to get their insulin, metformin, right. diabetes-related medications. I've spoken with you know, people who have waited in all those lines, people right. like uh, Bob Blackburn, who was featured in one of Dr. Neil Barnard's books. I expect then that there would be an enormous savings from the VA standpoint over time as well. Yeah, what's interesting is, um, you know, many members of the military are quite physically active. And so they kind of, they can kind of outrun, if you will, their their poor dietary habits. But the problem is when they separate, when they retire from the military, go back into civilian life, and their physical activity goes down, well, guess what? Then all of these chronic diseases all of a sudden blossom, the diabetes and such as that. So, so um, you know, really at the core is the nutrition and and um, um, I, I would agree that, in fact, uh, co- the healthcare cost savings uh, would not only with active duty military personnel, but also, and probably more importantly, in retirees, when we look at healthcare costs and uh, and and the drain it on our society about getting adequate care for our veterans. Very interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. We have to leave it there and move on and open up the doctor's mailbag. But uh, Dr. Loomis, what a heck of a topic. I feel like there's so much more that we could get to on this. And we are back on the Tackle Obesity Podcast. We are so grateful for that dialogue. As as he mentioned, uh, the fact that they're spending so much money on sharing, uh, I'm sorry, on, on addressing uh, healthcare issues that are a byproduct of obesity uh, really speaks volumes. Now, if we're seeing a clip like this where there's so much money being spent on uh, on obesity at, at this juncture, at the military level, just imagine the the long-reaching effects that it has on society overall. And um, it's very scary to think that you know we're looking at the tip of the iceberg as it pertains to this obesity issue. Uh, and systemically speaking. It weakens us you know, from a defense perspective where we not only are, are having issues with recruiting on the front end, uh, we're having health issues from our current um, uh, group of veterans. And then those that aren't, as he mentioned, uh, have concerns or they spend a lot of time and energy and money uh, focused on their loved ones that at, back at home. So they, they're not they're, they're combat ready, but they're not mentally sharp um, because they're concerned about. Um, their family members or their loved ones back home. So uh, this is a very complex issue. And just to think this is just one caveat of the uh, obesity problem. As we keep preaching on this show, there are so many different faces to this obesity problem. And um, we're looking for any partners that we can. We are we are here to, to partner with anyone that's a champion in the, uh, the anti-obesity movement. Uh, you can find out more information about us. Go to tackleobesity.com, tackleobesity.com. I encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter. So fill out the form on our website, subscribe to our new letter, newsletter. And if you need coaching, I strongly encourage you uh, to visit 
us on tackleabc.com. Uh, you can sign up for Coach Deer, and uh, you, can, you don't have to select. You can select me. You can select uh, Riggs Brown, Lee Rousson, you know, one of the other coaches. Um, we'll be happy to assist you in any, any way. Um, but, um, you know, visit us at tackleabcd.com. And, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be happy to assist you as, as much as we can uh, as it pertains to coaching. So you definitely need a coach uh, to help get you to where you need, you want to be as it pertains to obesity. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back uh, on the Tackle Obesity Podcast. People talk about diabetes. Oh, you're just lazy. You let yourself, you know, get overweight. And this is what happened. You know, and it's like, man, you know, I, I, I don't accept that. Now, certainly at times you can eat better, but, you know, the, the heredity factor can be involved as well. Either way, if you have it, like I said, there's no sense in now arguing, complaining, whatever. Do something. Now you have it. So the one thing that I've learned about type 2 diabetes is obviously you can manage it. But if you let it go and start letting things happen, the things that can happen to you from eyes, from toes, from different things are permanent. You can lose your sight. You can have to get your, your toes amputated. You can start losing functioning things on you that you now can't get back. That's a daunting thing. So you don't want to screw around with that. You know, you want to make sure you're, you're hitting the parameters you do. And, and we're all human. Sometimes I don't. But I try and get back on track as, as best I can, as soon as I can, because I know it can go down a road eventually that I can't come back from. And we are back on the Tackle Obesity Podcast. Uh, we're so thankful for the message for our veterans and our uh, committing to serve us and, and doing all, they, all that they can for us. So um, and we know that this is a very complex problem. This, this obesity issue is a very complex problem. Impacts all of us. And specifically, we're focusing our, on our veterans today. Uh, so just to wrap up, uh, we're going to... Uh, share some information and this is in regard to the uh the veter the veterans administration move program uh so the gulf coast veterans association um and uh, you know there are others uh, across the country but and uh i did briefly um uh, uh interact with them and they'd be happy to refer you if you're not in their particular area but they have a program that's called move that's m-o-v-e for veterans and uh, they offered uh, different programs to uh, to help veterans that do have challenges with obesity uh, to get on uh, nutrition programs, get exercise, uh, get counseling uh, and things and such. So um, that's some great information. And, uh, you know, if you are a veteran, uh, there are programs for you. So we, we recommend that you reach out to your VA contact and ask them about what programs they have in here. But the MOVE program is a national program that is sponsored by the VA for our men and women in service. Um, as I wrap up today, because uh, we're going to close out with that segment. Uh, the first thing is, again, I, I just want to reiterate this, our, our gratitude for the service of our men and women in, in uniform. Um, you are amazing men and women, and you do so many great things for us, and you sacrifice so much for us just so that we can be here and do the things that we enjoy. So, there's an amount of, of, of gratitude that I can share that I can express that will cover the sacrifices that you make for us every day. And we're, we're, we're infinitely grateful for you. 
Um, if you are a veteran and you're experiencing obesity and this comorbidities, the first thing is make sure you get support. It is critical. So reach out to your healthcare provider, visit your local VA, as, as I mentioned, connect with professionals who specialize in veteran care. They can provide you with personalized guidance and develop some tailored programs to assist you with your needs. Uh, second thing is, you know, if your physical uh, abilities allow you to, definitely you want to engage in some regular activity, whether it's a low t intensity workout, um, something, just keep moving. Uh, find some activities that you enjoy and that suit your current ability. Uh, could be walking, cycling. Uh, they are veteran specific you know, programs, as I mentioned. Uh, pickleball is one that's very popular. Um, it's very popular among former NFL alumni because a lot of us have injuries uh, after playing football, and it doesn't require a lot of um, physical capabilities to play the sport. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so I encourage all you veterans to look at different activities that you can engage in to, to be more active and, um, and and move around a bit more. And uh, it, it revive that 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 camaraderie and that spirit of teamwork that, that you experienced in the military. Uh, lastly, make sure you establish a support system by connecting with your fellow veterans. Uh, join some online support groups if you can. Participate in some of the community wellness programs. And most importantly, share your experiences. Um, because telling the stories is going to create a, an environment of enlightenment for a lot of us. Um, there are so many people who have uh, a complete misunderstanding of what obesity is. And that's why we, we really wanted to highlight the fact that this is something that impacts all of us. Uh, there's a stereotype with obesity that it's a lazy man or woman's disease. And nothing could be farther than the truth about our veterans. You, there is a lazy, lazy does not, is not an adjective that we would use when we speak about our, our veterans. And so the fact that there is a significant impact with our veterans and obesity tells you that it's more than just being lazy. It is a true medical condition. It is not a character flaw. It is not a laziness thing. Uh, this is a this is this is a threat to all of us, and we have to work together, um, civilians and military together. We have to work together to address the uh, obesity pandemic, and this is a war that's going to go on for many many years, and we have to fight. And the most important. Uh, weapon that we're going to use in this fight is information. So like, share, subscribe, um, download this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you tune into us on KCA 102.5, 106.5, 1050am, Riverside, California, we're grateful to have you. Again, my name is Rich Walker. Um, make sure you visit our website, tackleobesity.com, tackleobesity.com. Share that as well. A lot of great articles in there from our medical experts. Uh, for my coaches, uh, myself and others. And uh, we also uh, want to share some stories about obesity tackled. So if you overcome to obesity uh, in some way, shape or form, send us your information. We want to tell your story. Uh, we're going to work together in the battle and we're going to work together to tackle obesity. Again, my name is Richard Walker. We're going to close out with this last segment. Uh, uh, this, which, as I mentioned, deals with the, uh, the U.S. Veteran Association MOVE program. And uh, we'll have that information available to any veterans. If you don't catch it on this show, that's fine. You can go to our website, tackleobcd.com. We'll have the information posted there. So thank you again for tuning in to the uh, Tackle Obesity podcast. Uh, my name is Richard Walker. We're going to go to that clip right now, and uh, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, MOVE program, MOVE coordinator, tell us exactly 
What is the MOVE program? All right, the MOVE program is a, a comprehensive weight management program. Uh, it's a national program that's supported by the um, by the VA. It's, it's a um, focuses primarily on nutrition, behavioral change, and also physical activity. We 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 it's, of course it's a weight management program, but we really focus on on healthy living, um, just making those those healthy changes and and really just living the best life that that we possibly can. Nice. Uh, this this does take a little bit of a different approach. Uh, to the overall health care uh, of the veteran uh, as opposed to how it's been historically. This has uh, what it seems to be a very holistic type of approach uh, when we start talking about the whole health perspective and caring for a, for a ver- veteran. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. We, we focus on all aspects of health care. We, we, you know, of course, we focus on behavioral change. Um, we do focus on sleep. Uh, one of our sessions... Uh, that is done by our behavioral health psychologist does focus on healthy sleep. Healthy sleep does play a really big part in in, in our health as well as weight management. Uh, and then we're also uh, lucky to have pharmacy involved um, with our program. Of course, you know there's there's several you know factors that can influence our weight. Of course, there's um, genetics, there's hormones, um, and then also there are medications that that we can take. You know that can also cause you know cause us to have um, you know some difficulty managing that. So um, you know, fortunate for us, we you know we need to have all those aspects together for us. Nice. Are there any other key elements to the Move program that may be of interest to the veterans and or families watching? Well, we we primarily focus on on healthy living, um, prevention, and health education. Uh, when it comes to healthy living, we really you know just focus on some small changes that we can make to really to improve our health now you know we we don't put everybody on a diet we're not you know telling everybody what to eat and what not to eat um, we really just you know we like to educate we like to coach and then we really let the veteran you know make you know make their decision on how the best way to approach um, you know whatever it is that they're trying with whatever their, their goals are going to be um, you know of course prevention is very important because uh, lifestyle change can help with a variety of chronic diseases. You know, things such as diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, um, and even certain types of cancer. Um, and then also some pain issues can be better controlled with life, lifestyle change. Um, when, it, when it comes to weight management and, and weight loss, you know, really with a, a 5% weight loss, we really do see some of those those changes in their health, um, especially when it comes to, you know, taking less medications, um, decreasing the level of pain, and it also improves sleep habits as well. Very good information. Now, you know, as as the trends uh, in today's society is moving towards a more health conscious uh, awareness, uh, both within the veteran community and just the public in general, uh, this is really great information for veterans to be aware of. That being said, how can a veteran become enrolled into this program? Well, the the veterans provider can put a move referral in for the veteran, um, as well as any other provider. Veterans can enroll themselves. Um, all they really have to do is is they can get a hold of their provider, or they can get a hold of me. Um, and, and my number is two two eight five two three four five four two. 
um, and we can do a self-enrollment from there. Um, some of the criteria, of course, is going to be a, a BMI, a body mass index, and, and the body mass index is sort of the proportion of the height to weight, and with the body mass index of greater than 25 and some comorbidities such as diabetes, sleep apnea, um, or reflux, um, that would qualify for the program. And then with the BMI of, of greater than 30, um, without any comorbidities, um, you would qualify for the program as well. Great. Now, is, this is obviously a program that veterans can complete. What does it take for a veteran to complete the program? Do they get anything at the end of it? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, we have several options for veterans. Of course, when, when we do our, our initial visit, it's an orientation class. And we, we introduce the program. Um, we also give the veteran the several options of treatment. We do have group sessions. Uh, group sessions are, are 16 sessions, which include behavior health, psychology, um, kinesiotherapy with physical activity, and the dietitians with nutrition. We also have another option, which is the telemove program, which is a home telehealth. It's a program which is more of a a self-management, the veteran receives the equipment, um, and they do a daily health session. Now, the the 16 group sessions, once they're complete, we do have an option to continue with our Keep Moving group, which is a, a, a once a month. Um, also, if the veteran does wish to continue uh, with the group sessions, as long as we have space available, the veteran can continue with the group sessions. Um, we, we've had veterans that has been in our group sessions for between seven and eight years. Um, also, if they complete the program and say maybe six weeks, six months later, um, they do want to re-enroll, then we can always do that. Uh, the Telemoo program does last for about six months. So we go through a six-month cycle, we do a disenrollment, um, and then after another six months, the veteran does have the option that they wanted to re-enroll. We also offer the Video Connect. Of course, during the, the COVID crisis, we've had to uh, put a hold on our face-to-face -face group sessions. So we do offer everything through Video Connect, which is a virtual classroom. Wow. Wow. Very, very comprehensive and very robust program, it seems. Is there anything else about the program that you think veterans and their families uh, may want to know about that you haven't shared with us yet? One of the things that's very important is going to be support. Um, we, we do offer group sessions. Um, we do education as well as support. Um, we we um, also allow family members to join us um, because, you know, when it, when it comes to behavioral and lifestyle change, you know, it's, it's something that is difficult to do by yourself. So, um, you know, the more support that the veteran does have, the greater chances of success. Um, also, the data really shows that, too. Um, veterans who do attend our group sessions and typically at least 10 to 12 group sessions within a year's time frame tend to double their success. So, um, you know, the group sessions are very important. That support's very important. Another good resource from the MOVE program is www.move.va.gov. That website contains 180 handouts based on nutrition, physical activity, and behavioral change. Um, also, it has all sorts of information about the MOVE program, as well as success stories of fellow veterans who have gone through the MOVE program and have some really great results. Um, it's a great website. Um, 
and I encourage everyone to visit that. Great. Now, um, again, please, for anyone that may have any questions or want to learn more about the program, what is your number again? All right. My number is 228-523-4542. If you have any questions about the MOVE program or if you're interested in enrolling in the MOVE program, uh, you can give me a call. I can get in touch with your provider uh, and then we can take care of everything from there. Great. Very great information. Robbie Krause, Gulf Coast Veterans Healthcare System MOVE coordinator. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. In today's Ag News from AgNetWest, California congressmen introduce bills to invest in states' river basins. More after the break. Today we're talking with aphids and whiteflies about Safina insecticide from BASF. We just got nailed with it. So tell us, how are you feeling? Really, really weird. And you still want to devour this field? Mm-mm. No, <laughs> no way, way, bro. There you have it, folks. Safina insecticide is specifically engineered to disorient aphids and whiteflies so they can't eat. And when they can't eat, they can't destroy. Help protect your alfalfa from aphids with Safina insecticide. Always read and follow label directions. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly Auto Parts knows a farmer's work is never done. We carry premium brand ag and heavy-duty parts, hydraulic couplings and fluids fuel transfer pumps, filters, and more. Select stores also make custom hydraulic hoses. To learn more, go to OReillyAuto.com and type farm into the search bar. Shop online or in-store at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Two bills have been recently introduced, including the Water Source Protection Program by Congressman Jim Costa and the Headwaters Protection Act with co-authors Costa and Congressman David Valadeo. The bills are sent to increase funding for conservation programs and improve water quality for the San Joaquin Valley. Costa, a senior member of the House Agriculture Committee, said, quote, The health of California's watersheds, waterways, and wetlands are interconnected to the San Joaquin Valley agricultural economy. Investing in watershed health leads to improving access to clean drinking water and greater water availability downstream. The bill would also support public-private partnership-driven restoration projects, and it would invest in resources that reduce wildfire risk, improve watershed health, and benefit downstream communities. Reporting for Agnet West Radio Network, I'm Danielle Leal. You're listening to K-Trip, where we play all the best classic water-wasting hits like Sprinklers in the Rain and leaky faucets. They're tunes from another time because now that we face a hotter, drier future, every drop counts. Despite an extremely wet winter, keep using less water, fixing leaks, and reusing indoor water for your garden. Visit SaveOurWater.com for more ways to conserve. Up next, brushing your teeth with the water on. K-Drip. You're listening to KCAA, your good neighbor along the way. You're listening to K-Trip, where we play all the best classic water-wasting hits like watering your lawn during the hottest time of the day and leaky faucets. They're tunes from another time because now that we face a hotter, drier future, every drop counts. Despite an extremely wet winter, keep using less water, fixing leaks, and reusing indoor water for your garden. Visit SaveOurWater.com for more ways to conserve. Up next, brushing your teeth with the water on K-Trip. In today's Farm and Ranch headlines from Agnet West, the updated Delta Rice Cost of Production study features a particularly important aspect for growers interested in growing rice in the region. More after this. 
now charging. Miravis Prime Fungicide. That's more power, spectrum, and a whole new level of control against tough diseases like powdery mildew and botrytis. A crop that's greener and cleaner with more marketable grapes. Your disease control is now fully charged with Miravis Prime. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about powering up your grape crop. Always read and follow label instructions. When your citrus trees are stressed, they can't take a personal day. Help them recharge their batteries with Orondis fungicide from Syngenta. Orondis significantly reduces Phytophthora counts and protects developing roots from damaging disease, promoting healthier trees from root to fruit. Ask your Syngenta retailer about Orondis and give your trees the R&R they need for a fruitful season. Always read and follow label instructions. Delta Crops Resource Management Farm Advisor with UC Cooperative Extension, Michelle Leinfelder-Miles, said the cost of converting ground from some other annual crop to rice is a critical component in this study. So for converting ground, there needs to be a lot of ground preparation, land leveling, building of levees, and those costs are, are pretty significant and can inhibit growers from making that transition from one crop over to rice. So we had a goal of getting those conversion costs into the study so that folks who are new to rice growing or who are thinking about growing rice can have an understanding for what it would cost to, to make that change. I'm Brian German for AgNet West Radio Network. I'm Rick Smith, host of The Rick Smith Show, inviting you to listen to my show during the noon hour every weekday right here on KCAA. My show is sponsored locally by Teamsters 1932, a strong union with 14,000 members in the IE. Our message is clear. Unions improve the lives of working people. You have a right to form and join a union. So go to Teamsters1932.org and get started now. You're listening to K-Trip, where we play all the best classic water-wasting hits like Sprinklers in the Rain and Leaky Faucets. They're tunes from another time because now that we face a hotter, drier future, every drop counts. Despite an extremely wet winter, keep using less water, fixing leaks, and reusing indoor water for your garden. Visit SaveOurWater.com for more ways to conserve. Up next, brushing your teeth with the water on. Ten fifty a.m. Don't forget that number. And for you young people who got here by accidentally fat fingering your FM band selector, we're an AM radio station. And AM. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps—you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.